Welcome to Life Study of the Bible with Witness Lee, a program provided by Living Stream Ministry and featuring the ministry of Watchman Nee and Witness Lee. These two were faithful slaves of the Lord during their entire Christian lives and have become patterns to us of ones that counted all things lost on account of Christ. Witness Lee completed his most comprehensive work called the Life Study of the Bible just before going to be with the Lord in 1997. This program combines short excerpts from his original speaking, along with some of our own comments and fellowship. And as always, we'd like to hear from you with your thoughts or answer any questions that might arise while you're listening. We'll repeat this contact information at the end of the program, but if you have a pen right now, jot down our toll-free number, which is 888-LIFE-STUDY, 888-543-3788. Or you can reach us by email to radio at lsm.org. Now, let's join today's program. The children of Israel were in a low condition. Their enemies were closing in. They had strayed far from the Lord, both in their hearts and in their deeds. And they feared that he would no longer look after them and protect them. Their reaction was understandable. They asked the prophet Samuel to give them a king, just as all the other nations had, to protect them. Reluctantly, Samuel sought Jehovah in the matter, and the Lord granted the people their request and instructed Samuel to anoint Saul as the first king over Israel. In the beginning, it appeared that the Lord was with King Saul, and he was victorious in defeating the Ammonites, Israel's enemy. But as time went on, it became more and more evident that what was filling Saul's heart was not so much to establish God's kingdom, but rather to build up a monarchy or a kingdom of his own within God's kingdom. Ed Marks has joined us today as we continue our fellowship from the book of 1 Samuel. Ed, uh, good to have you back, and full of light, isn't it, this kind of speaking regarding Saul and Samuel and the children of Israel? It really is, Chris. And Chris, I'd like to mention something at the outset that you said in your introductory word. You know, the children of Israel, they asked for a king. And like you pointed out, Samuel was not happy with this, and the Lord was not happy with this. So we have to be very careful as Christians what we ask for. Yeah, We want the Lord's perfect will in our lives, not his permissive will. Right. If we continually ask for things that aren't according to his perfect will for us, which is what's best for us, right? sometimes he'll give us our request, he'll allow it, but that is not the best for us. And you can see that the Lord finally honored their request but it issued in problems for them eventually. And Chris, in this broadcast, we're going to learn, I feel, some spiritual lessons that will help us in our Christian life so that we can walk on the way of life to fulfill God's heart's desire. I believe this broadcast will be a great help to us, Chris. It was interesting. You mentioned God's perfect will and also his permissive will. Actually, it was his perfect will to give Israel a proper king. Of course, he ultimately established David in the line that would bring forth Christ. So this was very much consistent with God's perfect will. But because in their asking repeatedly, not in his way, not even in choosing his way, actually their asking for a king was a kind of a rejection of him as their king, wasn't it? And that's why he was displeased and Samuel was displeased. Exactly, Chris. And in our fellowship with the Lord, 
sometimes his answering us is a matter of his timing, too. Right. So we have to have the intimate fellowship with the Lord and always have the attitude, Lord, I want your perfect will done in my life. Okay, we have a series of events here. Now, Saul has become the one that Jehovah allowed to be anointed as king, and he faces three enemies, initially the Ammonites, uh, who were prevailing against Israel. And at this point, Saul seems quite one with God, in a sense. It says the Spirit had come upon him, and he was victorious, and he was even very humble in victory and was somewhat trying to glorify the Lord in a magnanimous way. And, of course, he captured the hearts of the people. And it appears now that Saul is really the right one at the right time. But this second battle against the Philistines opens another window into Saul's inner being. And we begin to see as this story unfolds that Saul's heart was not pure, but that he was really seeking something for his own. Ed, let's look at a couple of these verses in chapter 13 as we now are coming to this second battle or the second enemy that Saul and the armies of Israel are going to deal with. And Ed, from the context, it appears that Samuel and Saul had made an appointment. There was an appointed time when Samuel was to join him. Perhaps Samuel would have, as the priest, made an offering to Jehovah before Saul led the armies of Israel into battle. Whether Samuel determines to wait, or whether the Lord detained him, he is late in arriving. And that's where we pick up the reading, because what happens here is very critical to understanding uh, the background of this uh, point today. Okay, in chapter 13, beginning at verse 8, Saul waited for seven days until the time appointed by Samuel. But Samuel did not come to Gilgal, and the people scattered from him. Then Saul said, bring the burnt offering and the peace offerings to me. And he offered up the burnt offering. And just as he finished offering up the burnt offering, there came Samuel. And Saul went out to meet him and greet him. And Samuel said, What have you done? And Saul said, When I saw that the people were scattered from me, and that you had not come at the appointed time, and that the Philistines assembled themselves at Michmash, I said, Now the Philistines will come down on me at Gilgal, and I have not entreated the favor of Jehovah. Therefore I forced myself to offer up the burnt offering. Well, Ed, there's a lot we could say now, but let's join Witness Lee, and then we'll get a good chance to talk about these points. These two messages are all on Saul's conquest. Firstly, Saul conquered the uh, Ammonites. Now he got another job to conquer the uh, hardest enemy, the Philistines. Both of these two conquests gave Saul a chance to make a name. In the first conquest, he behaved quite nice, humble, kind. But in the second one, the fox tail came out. <laughs> he behaved in a way that he has lost his kingship. Samuel's intention according to God's heart, was to build the kingdom of God on this earth. But Saul's intention was to build a monarchy for himself in the kingdom of God. He thought that was possible. Actually, that was not possible. In this war, Saul's intention God exposed. What intention? 
the intention to act on his own for the building up of his monarchy. And that was just a kind of a disobedience. He was disobedient, yet he still offers something to God. This is exactly today's situation universally. People, on the one hand, offering something to God for serving him. At the same time, they just don't care for God's purpose. So he disobeyed, yet he put the complaint upon Samuel. You have to realize Samuel then was the acting God. And you are under the acting God. You don't have the freedom. But he has the right. So apparently that was a mistake made by Samuel because he did delay the appointment. But actually that exposed Saul. This disobedience resulted in losing his kingship. You know, Ed, when we examine this story according to our natural understanding, it's hard to see something too wrong here. The situation was getting critical. The Philistines were arraying themselves against Saul, and the people were scattering from him, and he hadn't entreated Jehovah for Jehovah's favor. So instead of waiting and seeing the situation grow more perilous, he unilaterally takes the initiative and makes this offering to the Lord. Yet what we see in contrast to someone who is really after God's heart is altogether an exposure of his natural tendencies, isn't it? Right, Chris. And the point is that what God looks at is our hearts. And what the lesson is here is what is our motive in serving the Lord? You know, two points were brought out. Number one, when we serve the Lord, we should never do anything on our own, by our own strength, by our own ability, by our own power. We have to do everything by the Spirit. See, in Philippians 3.3, Paul says, we are the real circumcision who serve by the Spirit of God. Yeah. And we have no confidence in the flesh. So that means we cut off the flesh in our service to God, and we do everything by the Spirit. That's the first thing. And the second thing, Chris, is in our service to the Lord, we should never try to make a name for ourselves. Everything we do is for the glory of God, for the expression of God, and for the manifestation of Christ. Chris, in the New Testament, you know, in 2 Corinthians 4, 5, Paul says, we do not preach ourselves, but we preach Christ Jesus as Lord. So see, when we serve the Lord, we should never preach ourselves or promote ourselves. We should always preach Christ as Lord. We always want people to see Christ, to exalt Christ, to magnify Christ. And Chris, it's very interesting. In the Old Testament, this is in Numbers chapter 18. If you look at the first few verses, it uses this term in the King James Version, the iniquity of the sanctuary, which shows that in our service to the Lord, it's possible for us to sin against the Lord. Well, how can we prevent that? Well, Chris, if we pray to the Lord before we do anything, we should say, Lord, I want everything I do to come out from you as the source. And we want everything to be through him. That means not only is he the source of what we do, but he's the means. He's our means. He's our ability. He's our power. He's our strength. 
and we want the result of everything we do to be for his glory, which is his expression. And Chris, it's very interesting in Romans eleven thirty six, Paul says, because out of him and through him and to him are all things, to him be the glory forever and ever. Amen. And Chris, Romans eleven thirty six applies to our service. This will save us from the iniquity we see here of doing things on our own and making a name for ourselves. There's a point that he raised, I think we'll come back to it in the final section today, about Saul was intent on building up his own kingdom or monarchy within God's kingdom. We'll leave that till the final point. But at any rate, this event results in Saul losing his kingship. Following this, Samuel comes to him and says, you have acted foolishly and you have not kept the commandment of Jehovah your God, which he commanded you. For now Jehovah would have established your kingdom over Israel forever, but now your kingdom will not continue. Jehovah has sought a man according to his heart for himself, and Jehovah has appointed him ruler over his people. For you have not kept that which Jehovah commanded you. So at the height of his own glory, his kingdom is removed from him because of what was in his heart. These are sober words. Let's go back to Witness Lee. We have to learn that lesson. Why Samuel was so strict? It seems to me that disobedience was not a big one. But Samuel realized already that Saul would take the opportunity, take the advantage to usurp God's appointment. Yes, it was God who appointed him. But his intention was to usurp God's appointment to build up his own monarchy in the building up of God's kingdom. The kingdom of God, which is the body of Christ on this earth, is uniquely one. But, sorry, quite often here and there, there was the tendency. The monarchy is to be built up within the kingdom of God, indicating that was not a work purely for the building up of the body of Christ, the kingdom of God. That was a work built for certain one's interest. Paul told us in his epistles, he taught all the churches in the same way. He instructed all the churches in the same way. Just like what Samuel did. Samuel told the people the customs of the kingdom. The Israel people had a site of full laws established, decreed through Moses. But they didn't have a kind of constitution, a kind of bylaw, how to practice the kingdom life. And this was then by Samuel. At the end of chapter 10, Samuel told the people the bylaws, the constitution, the customs, the manners, how to practice the kingdom of God on this earth. That was written, I believe, mainly for Saul. Ed, let's come back to this point now about building a kingdom within the kingdom. 
We heard Witness Lee relate this uh, history to Paul's writing in the New Testament regarding the practice within the churches in a proper way. What is the application of what we're seeing in Saul's example? Chris, I feel that we need to look at this as New Testament believers so that we can learn the proper spiritual lessons. In the New Testament, in Paul's epistles, in 1 Corinthians 3, verse 12, that when we build up the church, we need to be careful how we build, and we need to build with the proper materials. And we should not build with wood, hay, or stubble, but we need to build with gold, silver, and precious stones. Now, we know in the typology that Paul is using that to build with gold, silver, and precious stones is to build with the triune God himself Mm. as the very element and substance of the building up of the church. Gold signifies God the Father in his divine nature. Silver signifies Christ the Son in his redeeming work. And precious stones signifies God the Spirit in his transforming work. So we need to be constituted with gold, silver, and precious stones, transformed by the Lord with himself as our element, and then we need to minister Christ as the reality of the triune God into people for the building up of the church. But, Chris, we don't want to build with wood, grass, and stubble. And what does this signify? Wood signifies our human nature. Grass signifies the flesh, and stubble is lifelessness. Well, if we have another motive— to build up something for ourselves rather than to build up the body of Christ. This is what we're building with. We're building with our human nature, with our flesh, and there's nothing of the divine life there. And so, regretfully, if we're seeking our own glory, that will all be burned up. So we need to pray, Lord, I don't want to build the church, or I don't want to try to build up something for myself within the church with anything of myself. I want to be constituted with you. I want to be filled with your riches, and I want to dispense these riches into your people for your building and for your glory. You know, in uh, 1 Corinthians 12, Paul said that the body is one, but that it has many members, yet all the members of the body, being many, are one body, so also is the Christ. So this just strengthens the point you were just making. There's only one body, and so really there's only one building work in the body, and that there isn't room in God's economy for us to be carrying out our own kind of building work under this sort of umbrella, trying to do something for ourselves that is cloaked in the uh, veil of doing it for God. Exactly, Chris. And like you pointed out, there's only one body, and the substance for the building up of the body, the element, is Christ himself. So we always have to be in prayer before the Lord. Lord, I don't want anything of myself to come in. Hmm. That's a foreign element. The only element that is not foreign to the body is Christ Christ. himself. Wow. Let's go back to Witness Lee. We are of the same body testifying the same Christ. And we preach, and we announce, and we admonish, and we teach people one by one concerning what? Not concerning theology, not concerning Martin Luther's teaching, not concerning Calvin's teaching, but concerning Christ as revealed in this holy book. We don't have different teachings. We don't have different testimonies. Then you may ask, how about uh, baptism? I would say, I beg you, forget about baptism. Only remember Christ. Our unique 
dictionary is one word, Christ, 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 from the first page to the last page, one word, Christ. Amen. You go to our dictionary to get baptism, there's no baptism. But we do baptize people. We are for what? Christ! Christ for what? Christ for your monarchy? Christ for what? What is the kingdom of God? What is the church? Very good. We are for the kingdom of God. And the kingdom of God is just a body of Christ. And this body is just the church of God. The unique church. Hallelujah for this. Why Christianity have been divided? Just because of different practices. My, when I was young, I was all together for the baptism by immersion. And not to bother in the homes, you have to go to a river. Then people argue to me, you have to go to the river of Jordan. <laughs> then I argue them, if you say this, even you go to Jordan, you don't know where the spot was where Jesus was baptized. <laughs> Forget about this. We are one body of Christ. Amen. Ed, we take a chance sometimes when we include this kind of speaking by Witness Lee, because if you take things out of context, it's easy to make a case that he's saying something he's not saying. Of course, you were with him for many years. I was with him many, many times. I heard him speak so highly of Martin Luther, highly of John Calvin. Certainly, we practice baptism. But really, he's speaking here in a style to emphasize something that he was deeply burdened with. Pick up that point and really help us be also impressed with what he was impressed with. Yes, Chris, I just love this statement that he made here, that in our dictionary, there is only one word, Christ. And if you ask Martin Luther that, he would agree 100%. (laughs) The point is, is that in the truths that we preach and in the practices we practice that are according to the New Testament, our focus, our goal, our aim, our person, our substance, our everything is Christ himself. And Chris, if you look in 2 Corinthians, Paul said in chapter 2, verse 10, that even when he forgave a brother, he did it in the person of Christ. Right. And then in the same book, 2 Corinthians, chapter 11, verse 2, he told the Corinthians that his burden was to betroth them to Christ. You see, so whatever we minister of the word of God, it should bring people to Christ, and it should stir them up to love Christ as their husband. I hope that even after this broadcast, there's something in our listeners rising up to say, Lord Jesus, I love you. Even it's good to say this right now. If you're in your kitchen, on the highway, or wherever you are, in your car, you can say right now, Lord Jesus, I love you. Paul's whole burden, if you look in Philippians, he wanted to see Christ. He wanted to gain Christ. He wanted to be found in Christ. He wanted to know Christ. He wanted to lay hold of Christ. And his whole life was about pursuing Christ. Mm. So, Chris, as long as our focus is on Christ, we're enjoying Christ, we're filled with Christ, we're ministering Christ, that is what builds up the body of Christ. And then we're saved from our ambition to build up something for ourselves. I tell you, if we get one thing out of this broadcast, let's be encouraged to pursue Christ to gain Christ and to minister Christ for the building up of his body. This is what lasts eternally. 
So this is a precious way to end, Chris. Yeah, I was going to say, what a wonderful way to end this message. I feel quite satisfied. How about you? Oh, I'm just fully satisfied, and I love the Lord more than I ever have in my life. That's because you go around so much saying, Lord, I just love you. <laughs> That's right, Chris. And so, you know, stay tuned, listeners. You're in for more uh, wonderful riches from this rich life study of the Bible. Perfect lead in to what I should say now, Ed, and that is that we have the printed life study messages, which make these points, quite honestly, much better than you or I are able to do. And we hope that each of our listeners would uh, get this marvelous resource. If you love the Bible, you love the Word, and you love the way the Old Testament is opened up, revealing Christ day after day in these life studies from these Old Testament books, you'll want to have this for your own library. If you'd like to find out about getting the printed life study of First Samuel and Second Samuel, Call us toll-free, 1-888-LIFE-STUDY, 888-543-3788. Or write to us at Living Stream Ministry, Post Office Box 2121, Anaheim, California, 92814. Or send email to radio at lsm.org. For Ed Marks, I'm Chris Wild. Thanks for listening. You've been listening to Life Study of the Bible with Witness Lee, produced by Living Stream Ministry. Witness Lee ministered the Word of God for over seven decades. Many consider these life studies as his seminal work, an exhaustive commentary on the entire Bible from the perspective of the believer's enjoyment and experience of God's divine life in Christ through the Spirit. If you'd like to find out more about Witness Lee, these life study messages or any of the materials provided by Living Stream Ministry, please visit our website, lsm.org. That's lsm.org. You can also email us, radio at lsm.org, or call us toll-free, 1-888-LIFE-STUDY. Thanks for listening today.